0: People just don't seem to understand that everything our government, quote unquote, gives us, we pay for Because even there's this new home heating rebate. I don't know if you saw this, but the province yep. is going to rebate. A thousand bucks. It was, yeah, 200 bucks. Now it's going to be a thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. And people were celebrating this so like, wow, what a great guy. This is for this year. This is for the here and now, right now, this winter to help
1: people we will continue to evolve with it. And he's
0: like, oh, I'm the champion of the people. Do you think that oil is going to be cheaper next year? No. Do you think that prices are going to be lower next year? No. So are we going to give them a bigger rebate next year? Uh, I mean, we'll get a higher well, the tax only bill. Way, we'll the only way we're going to be able to give them a bigger <laughs> rebate next year is if we take more tax money from people. Maybe you wouldn't need the government to give you money if they didn't take so much money to begin with. When I was broke, I rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. I broke, I had rich
1: habits uh. Oh, it's recording right now. Okay, sweet. Uh.
0: You want to start with taxes. I want to talk with taxes because I'm so fresh. I don't know why I get so worked up about people online. I can't help myself, yeah. but there's been a lot of talk about taxes between the property tax stuff, which again, people didn't realize how their property tax is actually going to be calculated. I did a little video on that because people were very concerned. And yes, property taxes are going to go up, but not the amount that they think. Um, but then all the stuff about municipal spending and people are losing their mind because there have been cuts to municipal spending. And people just don't seem to understand that everything our government, quote unquote, gives us, we pay for Like, do people not understand how that works? Because even there's this new um, home heating rebate. I don't know if you saw this, but the province yep. is going to raise the the rebate. thousand bucks. Was, yeah, 200 bucks. Now it's going to be a thousand bucks. And they're going to raise the household qualification up to 85,000. So if your household makes $85,000 or less, you may be entitled to a thousand dollar rebates based on effectively he- heating your home. Mm-hmm. And people were celebrating this so like, wow. What a great guy, you know. What a premier doing all this, thing. and who, he's like, just paid and, for it. And he's like, oh, I'm the champion of the people. Like they rolled out this video. It's, it's propaganda, but like we're going to continue to fight against those that feel you should pay more. It's like you realize they're just take your tax money and give it back, and then they're just giving it back, and they're <laughs> giving it back so that you can pay the old companies and Nova Scotia Power. Um, maybe you wouldn't need the government. To give you money, if they didn't take so much money to begin with.
1: Can you blame people though? Because the way that media and the way that it's all presented and laid out for the for somebody, it's hard to not get confused and be. I guess, like, man,
0: but have a little, you know I mean? but, but be a excited about it because the
1: way they they propose it, they're like, look at all these amazing things that are being done, and then the tax hike is kept as a separate item, and they're don't draw the two together. Like, I find when there's tax hikes or any sort of cost going in, they don't necessarily tie it to, like, Tim Houston or Trudeau or, like, anything like that. And then when the money's coming out, they tie it back to them. Yeah. Right? This is, like... I just It's marketing. It's like it's literally marketing on, on, a, on a political... It's a failure of, of the level. education
0: system to not understand how every single thing that the governments give you at any level, from municipal to provincial to federal, is your money coming back to you. Right? Yes, you have sent the money... They collect it, they aggregate it, and they redistribute di- distribute it. Yeah. But that's all it is. It is just your money coming back. So yeah. people don't need to be high-fiving them. And my concern with that particular one, and I'm not saying it's not beneficial, and I'm not saying that people don't need it, but we could have also just not taken the tax money from them to begin with, um, and then that would be a little bit simpler of a system, and maybe they wouldn't feel as poor, but you create this further reliance on people in government because, man, do you think that oil is going to be cheaper next year? No. Do you think that prices are going to be lower next year? No. Do you think that Nova Scotia Power is going to be cheaper next year? No. So are we going to give them a bigger rebate next year?
1: I mean well, we'll get a higher well, the tax. Only bill, way, we'll do a the only way rebate. we're gonna be able to
0: give him a bigger <laughs> rebate next year is if we take more tax money from people. And how people don't understand this Chandler's just cranky,
1: he's not qualifying for the heating rebate this year. But everyone, welcome to the Master Keys podcast. I'm Neil Andrino, he's really mad. Yeah. And I wore a really bright shirt today. So if you're watching Dale, this. <laughs> me say Dale.
0: Oh my gosh. That shirt, buddy. Turn it down. Uh, I need sunglasses.
1: B and V, who produces the podcast, said our shirts aren't bright enough. And I was putting on my shirt this morning and I saw this hanging, and I was like, all right, you know what? This is the you shirt. You should have left it in the <laughs> closet. No, I'm just kidding. Not. It's a it's a cool shirt, man. I'm pretty fair
0: skinned. I might catch a sunburn from that t-shirt. Yeah. Um, uh, we're gonna start with our usual. Okay. Yeah. Five
1: new subscribers. Number Let's one, go. Honest Abe. Honest Abe man, Gatien Tremblay. Gatien. Gatien. Merci. My stuff mailbox, but it's just like a logo of a mailbox. I didn't know you could have logos in your YouTube handle. Uh, Kxiiic. Ks. Kx. Oh. Um. And Alex Forrester. All right. Thank you so, so much. We
0: really appreciate the hey, follows. Rafa we appreciate Saoud. the likes.
1: Rafa Saoud. Yeah, agent. Oh yeah. Uh, right on, man. Right Thanks, Rafa. Prish. Um. Anyways, let's get started. Today, our main topic is going to be about this housing market seems to be coming back.
0: Oh, you're getting all fired up okay. about it.
1: You're like, yeah, yeah, multiple offers, house prices are going to the moon, inventories are so low. What up? Canada is the safest real estate market in the world. So, we're going to talk about what we both think uh, mm-hmm. and why we think okay. it might be going up and why it might not be going up. Um, I think Chandler and I might have differing opinions
0: on this. Per chance, per chance, um, the pessimist in me. Well, also, but, you're you're thinking now a little bit more nationally, internationally, because you know, you know, big fancy guy, fancy shirt. He's investing in the <laughs> states a little bit now. <laughs> 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 <This> guy, <laughs> it is a fancy shirt. Continue, uh-huh. uh huh. No, but like you're you're looking a little broader. I'm pretty hyper local focused here, but we'll unpack that. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. I'm good with that.
1: Um, but before we get into it, well, we're going to do some news.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: so, do you? would you like me to go first on
0: Yeah, because I just have my one, little news more tax headline? stuff I want to talk about. So
1: yeah, let's okay, hear with news. Taxes. So, Mark Morrison is a real estate lawyer in Toronto. And he is saying that the private lending market is going to be one of the big turning points and actually part of the causer of some downfall of our real estate market across the board. And basically, what he's saying is that 8 to 10% of the market in a lot of bigger provinces like Ontario mm-hmm. and B.C., is actually held by private lenders. Now it doesn't Ooh, always mean okay. it has to be 10, 15%, but they are into the non-big five banks. Um and he's basically stating that they a lot of times came into play because the big five banks are very risk adverse and they wouldn't lend in the outside towns or the areas around the cities.
0: Just before I would that include things like credit unions or or that would include credit unions. Yeah. Sorry, I gotta turn this thing off. I thought I just did,
1: but we had a rule put in place where there's no phones, especially no ringers in the pod studio. As you can see, Chandler doesn't follow rules very well. So, we're going to need a dress code here soon.
0: All right, let me figure this out here. Boom. I Good think I iPhone. had it set up so that my rings could get through um, even the strictest of silencing. Really? Yeah, just to be safe, man. You got to be safe with there. That, for me, wow. Wouldn't yeah. you want silence? Well, if you call me at midnight, Neil, I want to be there to answer. If oh, you, like, the G wagon. If you call down. me
1: at midnight, I'm not answering. If you call. I've now. If you call me past like nine, I'm not answering. I, I feel like there's got to be a cutoff at some point <sighs> to regain. Like I just. I think we should push to six fifteen a.m. But anyway. Yes. Okay. Anyways, long story short, eight ten percent of the market was mm-hmm. these B and below. We'll say lenders, um, and they were lending in a lot of periphery areas. And we've always talked about how, like, around Toronto, all the periphery areas have the highest growths like 20% up a year, 30% up a year, crazy numbers. Uh, and it always worked because people were able to buy with a the private, their home went up in value, they could sell or, or move on to the next one or get enough equity that an A-grade bank will step in, but they'll step in at 50% loan to value or 65% loan to value. Well, guess what? As rates turned around and we had some price drops in the last couple mm-hmm. months, can't get out. they can no longer get out. And as the renewals are coming up, these B and C lenders don't want to renew. And that's something people don't think about. It's like, well, I have the mortgage of 800000 I can just keep floating that. And it's yeah. like, it's a it's
0: a tandem thing. Both you and the bank have to agree to renew. Yeah, um, you can't just be like, no, no, I'm good with it. I'll make up the difference. The bank will be like, mm, thanks, but no thanks. Pay us out. Exactly. The yeah. bank can say, we want
1: to walk from this. When you sign your mortgage Oof. document. So thoughts on that. That was something that I, I'm like concerned about. I'm like, I think that's going to be a big downfall is that banks won't necessarily renew. They start to effectively call their loans, but it's not really calling the loan because it's just simply like we're up for renewal. And that's the whole point. We agreed to be a part of this term for three years or mm-hmm. two years or one year.
0: And now that term's done it's and like we fixed term lease. And yeah, we no longer agreed to You're no longer you. welcome here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to add another layer to that because this is something we talked about a little bit Um the rampant mortgage fraud in some of those same areas you're talking yep. about, call it periphery to Ontario or to yep. to, uh, to Toronto. And just to recap for people who maybe missed that episode or those news headlines, um, these were often individuals who are new to country who were being really taken advantage of by unscrupulous mortgage brokers who. Were, Wait,
1: whoa, 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 well, some whoa, of them. Whoa, so, whoa. Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: I wouldn't say it was. I'm, no,
1: whoa. It, it wasn't the mortgage brokers. I would say the mortgage brokers are being pushed to have to do this for people because everyone's coming in being like, oh, I want a house. And like, well, it's a million and a half bucks. And okay. Like, let's you make? say there was, there was blame like, to be spread around. You saw some stuff on Kijiji. You qualify. It's like, it's like TLC or whatever. When there's just like, Oh, these two are looking their budgets $3 million. That, that's true. that's it, true. People were doing it to them. But yeah, anyways, yeah. all right. There,
0: there, there was blame to take two to, to go tango. around. It yeah, takes yeah, two to That's tango. a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. I mean, you are wearing your Tango shirt today. So <laughs> okay. who am I to argue? Um... <laughs> <laughs> what my on here? <laughs> so um yeah, so one way or another you had buyers who were not qualified to purchase and yep. you had mortgage professionals uh willing to qualify, help them qualify through fraudulent practice which <laughs> uh was faking um job letters, faking identities, faking all the, the cash paperwork savings, effectively. Yeah. Faking the whole darn thing. Yeah. Um and they got paid big fees for that. The people got into the homes. And those people were somewhat um, cushioned by the fact that, in some cases, they had large down payments. So they, yeah. they could actually have some equity in the home. Or, to your point, the houses kept going up in value. And maybe at some point, once they did actually get some income coming in, and if their loan-to-value was manageable as the home appreciated, they could get another lender to step in with with better rates and, and a better product. Yep. But the other thing that happened in some cases would be that the mortgage professional would – Take all these fees up front. Say, hey, you know it's going to be all these fees mm-hmm. to apply and blah blah, and then they would get them to the five yard line when they've waived conditions, if they had any conditions. You know, the, that area of Toronto with the height of the market, there were no conditions anyway. They've sunk all this cash in. They're locked into this deal, mm-hmm. and then the broker says, "Ooh, that lender that that we thought we had lined up for you, they're they're no longer going to do the deal. So if you want to go forward with this, you're actually going to have to go over here to even a worse product, higher interest rate." Um, more, fees. more fees, all of these things. But the alternative is you've lost your application fee, you've lost your deposit on the house, and you could potentially be sued. And so these people were at that point being squeezed into these other products. Yeah. And that was a small section of the market. But to hear you say 8 to 10% of the market is these alternative lenders, I would say of that little bit, a good chunk were those sort of products around areas of Toronto, around areas of Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are going to be Major, major, major problems. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's that's where they're expecting a big turnover. And we'll talk about it a bit later. I don't think the grade A banks are gonna be the big issue. Um but it sounds like you got it out for mortgage brokers
0: this morning. No, not at all, man. Not <laughs> at all. But like I, I I didn't want to I guess the tricky thing is a lot of the people that were getting involved in that situation, um, were new to country, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot of cases they were naive to the whole process and they're being told these things. And then they were seeing their friends buying stuff. And um, yeah. so I do think that they were being uh, led by the hand though, perhaps um, perhaps some did realize that what they were doing was kind of wrong. Yeah. Um, whether they feel that it was wrong and they had no choice. I, I don't really know. You can't, every situation is different, but um, yeah. So I think that's part of that. And I don't know what the solution to that is when those notes come due. And it's like, well, we can't take you out with a primary lender. We also don't want any involvement with you ourselves. So do you think private money is going to pull back like that though? If Someone's making the payments.
1: Yeah. I think they're going to start to do it because for risk mitigation, like if things start going down and you can't project how long it's going to go for, um, it's hard for them where they like, they can't run that risk to like, it's just too high of a
0: risk at that point for anyone to get involved. Uh, especially if they start to realize that they can't make the payments, right? Like, Also, the reality of private money is that it's not like the, the private lender, if you will. It's not their money in their bank account. That's what I mean. They, own, they, out- they They need to convince their investors to continue <coughs> to do this. And at some point, their investors might be like, no mas. Like, and you know, this
1: is what's going to happen is as as all these values and people are losing money across the board, investors pull back their money. So the private lenders are going to have less money to give out. So they're really going to start trying to cut files that have any sort of elevated risk. Uh, and so I think you will see people doing that. And I think then on the flip side, you'll start seeing opportunities in better areas coming up. And the private lenders are going to want to move their money from these higher risk locations right, right. to lower risk areas, right? So I think... Well, that makes sense, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you will see people pulling back. Uh, and I think like what will ha- we'll really turn it over is delinquencies. I think delinquencies will start to rise uh, where people won't be able to make their payments because they can't just keep re-leveraging their home or doing whatever they were doing. Um, and that's going to then drive like their, their risk tolerance is going to go way down because they're now like, oh shit, we have three or four delinquent files that we don't usually have this many. So now we need to start pulling these back and like, let's get ahead of the the bud here and be like, okay, we want to get rid of these five or 10 files that we don't like. Um, so anyways, I thought that was an interesting article just to see like, that's kind of where they see the turning point. And to me, it kind of made sense. Uh, and It's the same thing kind of happened in the States, right? All the private banks, which they all are there for the most part, uh, are the ones that took the beat down when the last
0: rate yeah. And their banking system is very different that what constitutes a private down <coughs> there is more just an independent bank where our banks are a bit more institutional. I don't know if those are the right legal words for it. But yeah, it's a very different banking system over there or down there, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, though, do you think that because banks make their money off of lending? That's how yep. that, that's and they they are responsible to their shareholders. They want to show growth. Yeah. Do you think they will be able to lend enough product at these higher rates no. to keep. So at some point, aren't they going to want the business and start going up there and trying to lend again?
1: They're going to want the business, but it's still, again, the risk is not worth it. Like they cannot, like the bigger the bank too, the less risk tolerance they're going to have because it's one thing to not make money. It's the only thing to start losing money. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're putting in a bunch of delinquent files and you get stuck with a bunch of properties that aren't worth even what you have owed against them, that looks a lot worse uh, then reducing and being risk tolerant and having a full like control over your portfolio and what what you're doing with your clients' money, Yeah. right? Like if you're if you're yeah. running a your client's money in stagnant or low low returns, or you're running it at, at a loss, people are always going to be much happier with low low returns than taking yeah, huge yeah. losses, right? Everyone's going to hear of a friend who lost a bunch of money in some sort of format, and they're like, "Well, I didn't
0: lose any money at least, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm flat or whatever it may be." Um, there, there's going to be, I mean, this all sounds like higher banking fees. Like You're going to go into these banks and you're going to see these signs like, we're evolving to, ch- to serve you better. Yeah. And it's going to be like, oh, so basically now it costs more money to take cash out of at the ATM. My account uh, has a new feature, but I didn't want it. But my account now costs $5 more a month to run. So I yeah. bet you they're going to start nickel and diming. I tell you now, if you go into the branch and you see signs about how they're changing to serve you better, that means your rates are going yeah. up. <laughs> uh, like your little fees, your transactional fees, because they make money on lending money and fees. And that's about it.
1: But I think, again, I mean, that's going to provide an opportunity for the private banks to continue to grow. And you're already seeing that in the fact that we've had this immense amount of growth in the last few years of the private banks. And private banks, again, don't mean 10%, 12%. It can mean a 5%, 4%. They can be CMHG insured. So they're actually undercutting the big five banks, even on a regular residential mortgage. Um, and so they're growing massively because they have way less overhead. And I think if they increase fees, you're going to see a lot more online banking systems that come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, especially nowadays with technology where like my generation would be super comfortable to keep their money with a bank that has no physical location. Like yeah. I know I was just talking to my mom yesterday and she's like, I need to talk to a person when I go in and do I things still with do banking. That too. Yeah. And it's like I hate having to go there. Like it drives me insane. Yeah. And I don't see any need. The only time I physically really need to go to the bank is when I need physical cash. Yeah. When the banker needs like all we need bank is set a meeting to do this, I'm like, man, can we not just do a phone call or a, yeah. a Zoom or something? Like, why do I need to go there? Oh, yeah. And yeah. bank drafts. Like if there was a way around that, which there will be, because they will be like we can just mail them out like overnight. Yeah, we, we can, can just express ins- courier we can yeah. express courier a bank draft. And so like every city has one location that they they send them out from. They might not even have a forward facing. They may not even offer that. Or they might have ATMs that can friggin' print a bank draft. Like it uh yeah, I think it's gonna provide an opportunity. Like again, this is as as it's all like bad and, and gloomy, I feel like it provides a ton of opportunity for the next group of people to come in and try and make a wave out of this. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, changing changing the gary for sure. I'm going to switch into um, something totally different, but it kind of loops back to stuff we covered in previous episodes. We've talked about Blackstone for a while. They're a major kind of institutional landlord down in the States. Yeah, um, Not enough currently to, say, move the needle. Like, they don't control the rental market as much as some people may think. No. But they've been sort of, I don't want to say targeted, but people have been watching the closely because they took this model of buying out like subdivisions, like full track housing style subdivisions. Yeah, and they're one of the biggest. Buying big portfolios um, with an approach that's clearly geared towards um, almost providing a rental service that's a little bit different. It's more targeted towards people who sort of don't want home ownership. It's kind of like going to be like the skip the dishes, like everything can be taken care of yeah. for you with these organized communities that have no sort of component of of home ownership, yeah. Um, and they have pretty aggressive expansion plans. But one thing that they did during COVID was actually they were really lenient. They actually went beyond the federal regulations in the states for, you know, um, that required a period of non evictions and mm-hmm. rent holds and all these things. And they kept their non eviction policy up longer than required. Um, they actually they stopped charging uh, fees on credit card payments for rents. They uh, got rid of some late fees. They allowed people to take on extra tenants. They actually did quite a few things, um, but that is stopping. It's now... The, the the grace period, if you will, is over. And they are they have begun the process of filing mass evictions across a few different states. For really they're, outstanding rents and people... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking hundreds <clears throat> and hundreds of evictions to the point that they actually contacted governors in some of these states and said, just so you know, this is coming down the pipeline. Um, so they're going to get a lot of hate. Ironically, they were fairly accommodating, more accommodating than they technically had to be, but they're so big now, um, and they are responsible to why their shareholders. Um, mm. Then now it's like, well, it's time for us to collect on these rents, and I, I just feel it's going to be something that that we see in the news here in the next year. Oh, 100%.
1: Time. And I agree that like, we'll see it in the news. I just don't get why, why they hate it. This is like with everything. It's like you just said about the taxes earlier. Like the government gave out all this money and now they're pulling it back. And like, we don't like we everyone's kind of pissed, but everyone just kind of deals with it. Cause like, well, we have to pay it. Right. And it's the same with like rent. Like why? I don't know why there's such a weird thing around rent that like, it's something that people expect to not have to pay. I, I don't, yeah. I don't get this. Like they're like, oh, what? It's so terrible what they're doing to people's families. And I agree. And it's, it sucks, but it's also like, you agreed to pay this. Like, if you don't pay your phone bill, you don't get a phone. You don't pay you your car your bill. Credit. They take your car.
0: Like, you miss a $100 phone bill thing and your credit gets dinged. You missed a $1,500 rent payment and nothing happens to you. No, you You're steal it. If you steal like.
1: something from a store, you go to jail. Like, it's like, yeah. So anyways, I, I agree. You will, you will probably see hate, especially because they're so big. So, like, they're doing filing mass
0: evictions. Yeah. But that's And no one will read the fact that, like, oh, man, they actually let these people kind of accrue a pretty significant arrears. Um, you know, and didn't evict them. Yeah. And now they're just kind of saying, well, you know, now that grace period is over. That seems kind of reasonable. Um,
1: That's gonna be the toughest yeah. part about this real estate market now is the bad debt. So yeah, you can get super high rents, but you're going to end up accumulating a ton of bad debt from people that are falling behind. Yeah. And is it going to balance out to actually be able to make a return on your property still?
0: Which is why, like, and again, not to bring it back to my anger at social media stuff, but remember when everyone was posting online, like, yeah, I can't wait for these interest rates to cause all the landlords to lose everything. And there's going to be a great reset. Like <laughs> those people are still waiting in their mother's basement on the computer, waiting for this giant reset when they're gonna be able to buy homes for penny outs on the dollar and that landlords are going to lose everything. It's like, no, unfortunately the reality is that rents go up. Yeah. Right. Like, and how people have no fundamental understanding of anything um, well, rents went just, up and
1: everything that everyone spends on went up in cost too. Like it trickled into every single thing. We have inflationary pressure on all of our expenses. Yes. Of so course. even if you're living at home in your mom's basement,
0: like your computer parts cost more. Yeah. You might be able to get a graphics card on the cheap. Meatloaf she's making upstairs but, it costs a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like on that note, I'm going to say one more thing about tax. Okay. Okay. It's, because. Did, did you just pay a big tax bill recently? No, I'm just like some <laughs> of the stuff people say online now, it right now, like taxes at the front of everyone's mind. And people don't seem to understand this connection between, you know, the government, what the government does and the fact that you have to pay for it. So <laughs> the, the the city of Halifax that I think was overspending in, you know, uh, prosperous times the last few years or, yeah. or making promises to spend has had to pull back on that because yeah. for anyone who doesn't understand this, the municipality is a household, yeah. right? They have income. Yeah. And they have expenses and yep. they have to balance those things. And when times are good, they get a little flush and maybe they make some dumb purchases, Yeah. right? And then times get a little tight and they have to stop spending, right? Because they can either make more money, which is raise taxes and raise fees, or they can curb spending. And everyone's so mad about all of the things that they just kind of, these cuts they've proposed in their most recent budget. Yeah, But also people were complaining when the city asked for an 8.5% increase in 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 property taxes. Like people were... Upset at that, but now they're also upset that they get less. Like, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Right. And if you don't understand that, like, there's people in the comments being like, tax the rich. It's like, you bozo. The municipalities do not charge income tax. <laughs> right. But what they do is actually tax people based on the real estate that they own. And richer people own more real estate. So they are homes. taxing the rich. In fact, like, if you're living in the city and you aren't paying property tax and you aren't paying fees to ride the bus, to park, or to get permits, or to go to the library you're kind of living here for free and the city gives you a lot for that. (laughs) Um, You indirectly pay your portion of tax by paying rent because a portion of your rent Mm -hmm. goes towards the property tax and the same people both are like, why should I have to pay my landlord's bills? It's like, you idiot, because you're part of this machine. Like everyone pays a little (laughs) bit of taxes so that you can enjoy the things in the city. Right, and, and people don't understand that, and it's frustrating regardless of, of how you think money should be allocated and whether or not the governments are doing an efficient job at allocating your funds. I agree with you. They are not in a lot of cases. But at least understand how this works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing that people should be mindful of here is, like, our income tax here in Nova Scotia is not indexed, which most provinces are. And what that means – and federally, your federal portion of your income tax is indexed, which means the brackets – creep up Mm -hmm. with inflation and with cost of living. So it doesn't make sense that our brackets in Nova Scotia are the same as they were 22 years ago. Yeah, it's massive. Right. So the idea with tax brackets is as you make a little bit more, you pay a little bit more tax because Mm -hmm. you're a little well better off and, and it's, it's your responsibility to contribute a bit more, but someone who makes $50,000 today, right. Right. In 2020 or 20, in the year 2000, which is when our tax brackets were last updated, they were only making 32 grand. Like mm-hmm. adjusted for cost of living, they would make 52,000 today. Mm-hmm. They're paying now way more tax on that 52,000 than someone was paying on the 32,000 when this was initiated. Because I think our first tax bracket is something like 30 grand, yep. you know, or, or so the average person who's making in the 50,000s pays something like three or 4% more tax than they would have if our brackets were indexed based on inflation. And that's actually going to increase more and more because this last couple of years, people have been getting raises, but everything's been going up in cost. So the raises that they're getting are not keeping up with the cost of living. And yet the government of Nova Scotia refuses to change the tax brackets. So you are very literally getting poorer. And they're taxing you more. Like, that's what's happening. Your money goes less far, despite the raises that you're get- getting. they are paying back. more taxes. And you're paying more taxes. And I don't mean, like, a nominal amount. Your percentage that you're paying is more than it was back in two- the year 2000. And no one talks about this. And everyone's just like, man, like, I'm so mad at the landlords. And it's like, I just, it's so frustrating.
1: I understand your frustration. I think it's a lack of education from people... Not again, not by choice, but I think they really don't make an effort to educate you on these things. And I think that's why I like YouTube is YouTube's always like if you wanna learn about something specific, you can search it and there's a nice video explaining it step by step. Like when you watch the news, those are basically designed headlines to catch your eye, but they don't explain what any of it actually means. It's also sometimes
0: complicated. Like, I even felt that was complicated when I was explaining it. Some people are going, I have no fucking clue what he's talking about.
1: I would say, it's it's also somewhat complicated. That's why you need someone to really break it down and explain it. But then again, news and media companies are owned and controlled on what they can release, and it doesn't allow you to actually get this information across. Like, they're out there to catch your eye, not to really educate you on what's going on. Um, And so I think, as a whole, that's a problem. But one thing you said that I really liked was like people forget that part of their rent, a decent part of the rent goes towards property tax. Yeah. Which is paying for them to be a part of this system. But yeah. again, for you, for them, they're like, oh, you're paying your landlord's bills. And it's like, no, you're paying like your portion to get to use the road that comes to this property. Yeah. To get to use the water and sewer systems like that, that come into this property that we all share. Yeah. I mean, and so you're bill- paying your portion and you don't 100%. pay the same as if you owned a house on your own. Like you don't, you pay less because you're sharing with a bunch of people in the same single building,
0: yeah, but like municipalities
1: have three the levers of income. Broken,
0: yeah, they they'll get some money from the province and from the feds, but that's usually earmarked for a specific project, and it, and it's kind of can be set aside. Yeah, then they have property related taxes, and that's yeah. straight up property tax and deed transfer tax, and that's the biggie. Yeah. And then they make the rest on their fees again. That's library fees, parking fees, permit fees, like whatever. Yeah. That's the only way they make their money. Yeah. That's it. There's no other way. So if everyone is going to contribute to this, they either have to be paying property taxes, paying fees, or when they're renting, they are paying indirectly through the property tax on that building. Yep. And for people to not understand that that makes sense and is actually very fair, you know, you'd know, you have to be kind of dumb to not understand that because we all need cool. to pay a portion to make sure this municipality runs like we do have a lot of things here like if you want the sidewalks you know if you want the transit like you're going to have to pay for it and the one that got people all worked up is that transit rates are actually increasing uh at the same time as they're going to be cutting some services in transit it's like yeah that's unfortunately the reality of having a budget is sometimes you have to save more money you know and like pay more expenses, like if you want the service, like it, it's a hard thing, but everyone was clamoring, like we don't want eight and a half percent tax from the municipal municipality. You can't have it both ways, man. Like you just yeah. can't. And someone commented, literally, who does this benefit? I'm like, well, literally, literally all of us people who pay taxes, like, yeah, it's, it's a double edge, which sword is everyone, and, even if you're you not know, employed, it is everyone <laughs> like, well, but it's also everyone who lives in a structure, right? Like, so yeah. Anyway, I, I I feel like it's beating a, a dead horse, but people need to be better informed on these things because they can better um, lobby the government. Like, everyone's complaining about this, that, and the other thing, and no one talks about, um, you know, tax bracket creep and how we are literally getting poorer while they tax us percentagely higher because yeah. of cost of living. And no one talks about it. It's just like a thing. We're like, okay. Yeah. You know. I
1: No, I get it 100%. It's, it's frustrating as hell. I think we'll maybe try and maybe make some more clips and help to educate people on that. And again, that's the point of the pod is to hopefully get that out and kind of change the mindset a little bit. Um, But you're right in general, when someone, I think the thing is the people who get the most upset are the ones that see people succeeding and others not. And that's where they get more hell bent and caught up. And sometimes they forget about what's actually going on in the background that's causing uh, some of these changes. But then it makes you
0: cynical because you have to think like, all right, the government has a vested interest in like maybe not telling us because, you know, the provincial uh, government gets more of this money that's because I'm we don't know. I don't want
1: to right? be a conspiracy guy, but I am always seem to be that down that path. And it's funny that I label it as a conspiracy when it's like, it's basically just the truth. Like it's, it's not It's blatant. If it. you, if you go through and you run through the tax numbers and how those systems work and you're like, okay, this isn't a conspiracy. This is literally what's going on. Um, the biggest conspiracy is that they're not educating people on it, but to me, it seems like a pretty obvious thing, an easy thing to do, like implementing certain financial courses into a public education system and stuff like that. And they just did it in the States. They just implemented, I think, in the U.S. board, uh, or maybe not all across the U.S., but they added some financial literacy courses into their high school, mandatory high school courses now. And I'm like, those few courses will literally change how everyone understands and looks at their finances. Hopefully, like, yeah. Like, it, it'll make a massive, massive change. And I think that needs to come into play now. But I understand yeah, you're yeah. more so not just unhappy about taxes, you're unhappy with the education uh, of people out there and understanding how taxes work and government policies and government incentives and everything that's going on. And like you said, everyone likes to point the finger. And I feel like the government's part of the reason that landlords take a lot of heat because they tend to kind of just push it over and be like, oh, oh they're not totally. so good. And they slap these laws in and that go against landlords, which then basically qualifies in somebody's head that yeah landlords are doing the wrong thing because government's having to intervene.
0: Yeah like surely government knows what the problem <clears> is and so uh, they couldn't possibly be just distracting us by blaming these people when the fact is they haven't built any public housing of significance in 40 years like that couldn't possibly be the issue. But yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this guy is so wow. fired, up. fired up.
1: Now we want to switch <laughs> into our topic on what the hell's happening with this market because yeah, it but seems first, like it's going up but before we yeah. do that. We got to do our key player of the week. Yeah. And we shouted them out on a Master Key story, but it's Lattes and Leases solely. She is 25 and she now has 33 units and she bought them over the last two and a half years. Yeah. Um, She has an awesome IG. She's been teaching people on how to invest. She's been going over all of her different Burr models. Um, She's an inspiration for us because she has grown... Uh, her business and her her social media presence very very quickly, and I think for a lot of people she's very relatable because she started at a young age of twenty two. Exactly.
0: I think that's the the key thing, like on and a couple fronts. What I think is interesting about hers one that she's so young, and mm-hmm. from the outset she was just very transparent about what she's doing. She's like, I'm twenty two. Uh, you know, I work my job over here. I think she's from California, San Francisco Bay area, yeah. and then she started you know that's basically bur model yeah. and sharing her experiences with a community that just grew and grew and grew and then was able to quit her job pretty quickly in. And she also has a lot of stuff between States, which is so interesting. And I don't think we have that nearly as much in Canada because, you know, geographically we're just way more spread out, but it's amazing how easy it is for her to purchase out of state and, you know, really be able to target lifts because certain areas just have way better lifts and they're much closer than we are here.
1: My favorite part is that she bought them for, so cheap. Like I, I just clicked on hers, but she just bought this one for seventy thousand dollars. Like she God. went after cheap properties. A lot of people feel like there's this massive barrier to entry, but she's going into small towns and going to auxiliary areas or just outside the city and finding these really dilapidated, older, smaller properties, uh, and you can still make a return, right? You got to run your numbers, and she always does, and she posts them. Uh, so again, shout out to her. She's doing great. Hopefully, maybe we can get her on the pod. Uh, yeah, I think um, that's overdue. I mean, but that. uh, yeah, anyway, so check check out her page, lattes and leases, but. Now I want to get into our main topic, and that is in December, the average home price across Canada went down
0: 1.2%. Yeah, the home price index went down 1.2%. Exactly.
1: Now, January has felt very different. We're not done January yet as of recording time, and so we don't have the stat on where the percentages are, but if we had to guess, they're probably up a little bit. Uh, You're seeing multiple offers again. There's homes shooting for 50k over ask in Ontario. What the hell is yeah. going on? Why is this happening? Or why do you think it's not going to continue?
0: what's what's your what's your sentiment overall? Like how do you feel? You're like, "Well, here's the thing, man, and and this is the problem. We have, we have two giant problems when we come to to real estate analysis, and maybe maybe even three. Like one, you have this lagging <laughs> data, right? I, I have a I, lot of problems, I don't so, know. If, <laughs> I got Uh so one is problems. is the the data lags, right? So when you're in the moment, you can't see the trees for the forest, right? You're kind of mm. too close to it. It's like, okay, I can only know what's going on in, in the transactions I'm doing this month, and maybe the couple people around me. And you don't really find out until weeks later what the market as a whole was doing. So, so there's yeah. that little issue. Yeah. The other thing is that, um, you know at times, especially this time of year, and when the market contracts, your sample size gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're having that issue with our weekly stats that we publish. You guys check us out on Instagram about the Halifax market. In some cases, it's like, well, there were 12 sales last week, right? And because four of them were over asking, that means 33% of the sales were over asking. And if one of them was 70 grand over, which might equate to 10%, like the numbers can get skewed in either direction very quickly. All right, Um, but we
1: know what You know the market's going up, though. Totally. There, there, You're feeling it, at least. Like, I mean, as a whole.
0: Yeah, and, and it's not up from the peak of the market. It's no. up from Q4 of last year. Yeah. And I maintain that I really feel that Q4 of last year will be looked at as having been a great opportunity to buy. Like, I even think of some deals for clients that we got in Q4 of last year where it's like, oh yeah, I'm looking around now, there's no inventory. If that home was on the market now, it would actually probably trade for like 30 grand more. Like I'm seeing that so, in a matter of two months.
1: So your feeling is that we're going to, this is going to be a leveling point, And then in the future, we're going to have sustained growth again.
0: I do feel that way, right? Like I, I feel like we're kind of finding what is probably um, what the base should have been. Like, you know, we got accelerated a bit too quickly. Yeah, uh, And so we had to pull back and I think we're... we're you know, hitting a more reasonable stride. But the last issue we have is always recency bias, right? Everyone thinks what is happening in the last couple of weeks is going to happen forever and it's doom and gloom, blah, blah, blah. But something that's happening right now is that the people have realized this is the rate environment we live in now. The people. The people that are buying and selling have realized this is the rate environment that we're in. Um, they're not feeling the same thing that people felt in Q4 of last year where they felt like, oh my gosh, I missed the bus. Now rates are going crazy. Oh, you know, and sellers are like, well, I'll never get what my neighbor got at the height of the market. Like, yeah, maybe so, but now you got to get along and live your damn life. This is the rate environment. These are what homes are worth. What about
1: about the fact that the rates just went up again, 25 Uh, points. A
0: variable rate went up. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're saying it's a temporary pause.
0: That concerned me a little Temporary.
1: <laughs> temporary. Yeah. They didn't say this is the end of the shit. Yeah. They said this is a temporary pause to sort your shit out and get locked in and learn to handle four and a quarter points or whatever it is. And they may increase it again because we have to get inflation reined in.
0: Well, the reason they may increase it again is because, and this is a, the double-edged sword, as I just mentioned, the market's starting to like put along pretty okay again. And that's not what so the don't bank of Canada houses. wants.
1: Stop buying houses, everybody. Well, we need like, you to cut it out. I have way bank too much Canada, variable money going right now.
0: The the Bank of Canada does want to really you writing you know, the over ask on on your offer, screwing all of us. It's raising the rates for everyone else six months from now. Um, but that is this double edged sword. Like, because so does that not
1: concern you? It does concern me. So it does concern me.
0: You're saying if this is the new
1: the new level spot, but if they keep raising rates in a couple percentage points we all know it's going to multiply into the, in the prices and they're going to come down.
0: Yeah. What I'm hoping. And again, I can only speak here, here locally because I do think that there's going to be a, a continued pullback in areas like Toronto and uh, the Fraser rally or like, I do think those are going to continue to pull back probably mm-hmm. to the tune of five to, to 7% this year. Okay. Um, I hope that what they're going to do is just subtly adjust these knobs uh, to keep us in a more. The knobs. I'm uncomfortable with this gesture. <laughs> um, they're they're going to try to keep us within a reasonable band, right? The uh, their first thing was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna just we need to drop this thing from up here and bring it down, like bring it down one chunk in one. Like it has to be a shift, right? A shift down or and now, in an
1: uncomfortable band now relative to what we were used to already. So yep. any any knob dialing that they do is going to result in more un- discomfort
0: yeah I think what we might kind of see is this undulation almost quarter to quarter of up, down, up down but i'm I'm hopeful that it's going to be in a band of plus or minus three percent as opposed to like an eighteen percent pullback in the home price index from the peak right like that's an uncomfortable band. but if they can do it sustainably, I think what they would target um, for the average Canadian market, I'm not talking Vancouver, I'm not talking Toronto, I'm talking the average Canadian market, if they can get us in a band where we're, you know, somewhere, you know, a market that gets hurt a little bit is maybe down 3%, and then a market that's really putting along is maybe 3 or 4% in the positive, well, Like I think that would be the band that they would target because that's a bit more normal, right? Do you... It's a hard task, though. Yeah. So, and you're saying,
1: basically, what's your, your feeling on why is there going to be so much upward pressure? Pure plain and simple inventory.
0: Supply and demand, man. Like I feel it's like the easiest out to say that, but I'm very focused on our market here. Um, so I, I'm biased, but there's a huge shortage of property here. And we have so many people coming to the city. It's hard to imagine that there's not going to be a lot of support for the value. Cause not everyone has to buy homes when there's less homes. Like, if we cut the, the supply of homes down by 50%, then yeah, these rates may take 50% of the market, but if there's still the remaining people to buy them, you know, there's a lot of support there. But, I, I you see know, what you're
1: saying. So it's, I guess my thought is just, like, I'm obviously, I'm always doom and gloom. And I just think like, yeah, I agree. We're super low inventory. And I think that's what's kept us alive till this point. But then I look at the fact that loan money, interest rates are insane.
0: Overall cost of living is insane. Well, stop. I'm just going to stop you there for a second. What constitutes insane for an interest rate? Because you can go what right it's now. It's insane and, compared to what we were used to. Okay. There's recency bias and that some of these buyers. Well, but it's entered,
1: recency bias for years. Like people were borrowing money. Like my entire, literally the my entire, my entire investing career of like five years, we've been borrowing money at cheap. And a lot of transactions took place in the last five years. And a lot of transactions took place in the last okay. two years. But there at were times, you've been
0: doing this for four or five years. Yeah. Right. What's the highest rate that you saw? Uh, like four, yeah. four and a half quarter. So four and a quarter, and now we're at like five and a quarter. Like that's not insane.
1: No, but the thing is, a lot of mortgages turned over in the
0: last two years. A good percentage
1: of them, because people even forced them to turn them over, even if they weren't up for renewal, so mm-hmm. they dropped their rates a ton. Uh, and now you're seeing this climb back up, and a ton of people renewed at variable, and so a big percentage of the market turned over to that, right? I understand in the course of history, it's not. But I, I'm 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 getting like my thing is it's recency bias, but it's also if we have a two year downturn, that's something that we need to be cognizant of. I do agree in the long term, it's gonna it's gonna rip. But I guess my concern is is that so there's there's all that going on. We've talked about that to the to the death. I totally agree that we have low inventory, um, but it's like if the banks will just will not lend to you on that property, it's just not gonna sell for that much money. It's just mm-hmm. not that many people rolling around with that much cash that are gonna buy it. It doesn't matter even if the inventory is so low, I say this about rent too, I'm like, even if there's just no units available, you can't just charge $3,000 because no be one just can't buy yeah, it. Right? Know, it's like, it's like when you, you look at like the Great Depression when people were like, a loaf of bread was $1,000 and physically nobody could buy it. So the loaf of bread just sat there. Even though everybody was dying of starvation, right. no one could,
0: it, it's the same but thing. But what have it's you like, seen for like, th- there's going to be a shift obviously to more people taking fixed products. Um. I, well, the next thing I think is going to be a problem is that there's gonna not going to be the capital
1: available to do it because Again, when you look at, again, people aren't really paying attention, but monetary supply is shrinking quickly, right? When rates go up, money starts getting pulled back in. The CRA, the IRS are going nuts to pull money back in. All the tax hikes, more money going in. Everything is pulling money out of the system as fast as they can. On top of that, with the rate hikes, the market's pulled back. So that's eliminated trillions of dollars of value. The real estate market pulled back. That eliminated hundreds of billions of dollars of value overnight. And so all this free cash and net worth that people had is disappearing. Mm-hmm. Right. People don't carry like tons of yeah. cash. It's not like everyone's just like, yeah, I got $10 million. Well, this in cash is exactly mattress. how this
0: is supposed to work.
1: All their right? investments went down. So now instead of having 10 million in investments and in net worth, it's now seven and a half million. So they now need to pull out of a few things to start having some money. So they now need to pull out of some investments in GICs and different bank products that they own, which now means the banks can't lend that money. They can't lend yeah, that yeah. money. So yeah. now they're having withdrawal. So they're losing billions of dollars at the back end to fix this up. So how can they then put out the money, even at the loan to value that people need or want to buy a home and so, in result, on top of it, you're going to have this like impact that's like, yeah, we just can only give you 600K in that house. And so, the person buying it's like, well, I was going to buy it for 800, but they can only give me 600. So, I'm like, I can only do 700 now as a price. And right. Plain and if, simple, if,
0: if the volume of transactions contracts almost at the same rate as, you know, assets that the bank can lend against, kind of. That should wash to some degree. That's the one
1: thing I guess in Canada is there's a lot of equity and a lot of people who own their home that's free and clear. And there's a lot of older generation that owns their home and they're just not going to make a move. They're not going to move at all. But I do think there's a large population of younger people that are going to make a change. And it's going to be like, you look at the neighborhoods here, the ones that have been built in the last three, four years, those are predominantly young families. And now a lot of them probably took variable product.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And
1: so they're all going to be in a position where they need to get out of that house and now the bank's not going to lend at that that new like that new valuation. Like those, we saw it here. We're in brand new neighborhoods. We're selling at three to four hundred grand uh, in 2019, 2020. By 2021, 2022, one, twenty twenty two, they're going for six to seven hundred thousand dollars. They basically doubled yeah. in prices on their homes. And now these people may they have likely tapped re- into that equity because yeah. yeah. when you drive through those neighborhoods, they all have pools, fancy backyards, brand new cars. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's like all
0: guys wearing a shirt like that. Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> hey Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bought this on a on a refi on an apartment
0: building. No. So
1: um I actually got this at Value Village. Not Valley Village. Um winners. winners. I do really like the shirt I'm Thank, you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm just getting ready for my vacation this weekend. It's uh I'm going to Montreal though and it's snowing, so it's probably the wrong shirt to wear. Yeah. But anyways, um so you have all these people now that have tapped into that. Most people didn't just leave the money in their home.
0: Yeah. Or no, they didn't true. just leave their, their
1: loans alone. They made yeah. it bored to to invest and now their investments are down. So like I think all of these things. Like there's a lot more going on in the background that we still haven't felt yet because it hasn't been long enough where people, it's, it's going to cause an issue. And I, my bigger thing is, is that people aren't going to get the money to be able to buy into the next house. And so the people that can't afford to get out are going to have to drop the prices of their homes. And then it's, again, this sentiment idea that people started seeing like, shit, like that one went for 600 in 2022. Now his is up for 500 and it's not selling. This mm-hmm. is a falling knife. I want out, just like how everybody wanted it right. in when it was ripping. A ton of people always want to bow out, like bow out, right? Like it's like it's the same with the stock market. Stock market is so quick so. Then then can do it with a bike. Like when
0: or 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 what causes it? Right? Like does because right now it's not happening. Why isn't it happening? When is it going to happen? And what's going to cause it? I think it could
1: be further than this year. Like I, I genuinely think it's going to come why? further than this year. Like
0: What's going to be the moment where it's like okay? Is it just depleted savings? Is it- uh, well, I think
1: I think the moment the turnover point that's going to become like the big thing is when like the general news media takes on or a big company someone bows out like a big investor bows out and it becomes a news story like oh shit killing properties is going belly up they got to sell some assets like for example like Swiss Bank. Uh, is having trouble now funding some of the loans because they can't fundraise capital. right So they're listing they might they're talking about listing the Swiss bank hotel, which is like one of their investments for four hundred million dollars. They need to sell that now to help mm. get liquidity to keep funding loans. And so you're like, oh shit, one of like the biggest banks in the friggin world is it now having to sell one of its prize assets to keep funding loans. right? And so when more of that stuff starts happening, Right? right. Like so I think institutionally you might see more of that stuff start to happen, especially because people don't realize, but a lot of these big buildings and giant assets are returning like two percent or one percent. So when the rates <sighs> yeah. went up, they're literally upside down these buildings. And the so they only, need to start dropping it.
0: The only thing I could see there um is that when it gets to the institutional level, there's gonna be so much pressure on these central banks because the reality is. They want us all tight with our pennies and not spending and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys should probably be a little bit more careful with your money and you should buckle down and blah, blah, blah. But when the major institutions like there's a reason, you know, with with the crisis in in the states and what 0708 like people were allowed to go bankrupt, but the companies got bailouts. True. Right. So um, some of these institutions are. To "Quote unquote too large to fail." So um, I don't think that I see, they're going to fail, but I think yeah. it'd
1: be more like okay, the news stories will get in people's heads, right? Yeah. Like if, if I'm a homeowner and I've been on the fence for the last couple of years about selling, and I now know that I missed the peak and I do want to sell in the next couple of years, I want to sell anywhere in the next five years, and now I see that the big institutions are starting to offload some assets. I'm like shit. Maybe I should just get rid of it now because for the next five years I probably do know better. So I will get mm-hmm. my money today and make my move. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then all then they start to come onto market. They start to dump off uh, and prices start to fall because people can't pay for like they just nobody's buying these houses cash. Like just on average, yeah. people are not buying their homes cash and they don't have the cash.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And, and rightfully so. That's kind of how it's always made sense to get ahead in this in this world in the North American first world that you gotta borrow, 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 and you gotta have all your money invested uh, and stuff like that. So I just feel like the capital shortfalls, interest rate hikes. The other thing is wages have not grown a ton. Like the cost of living has gone up a bunch but wages have not chased to follow. And if anything, a lot of these like places that had crazy high paying jobs like the tech industry, they're doing mass layoffs. Like that was the way to make a ton of money. Now is you get your comp comp side degree, you go make 200 grand a year right out of school. There's a thousand job options. You can go to the coolest place. You can drink kombuchas and fucking wear funny hats and make a bunch of money. Yeah. And now those are all just getting cut. And so it's like shit, man, like, yeah, I understand. We still have an inventory crisis, especially in Canada, even more heightened in Atlantic Canada. But I'm like, the, for me, the tipping point might be if they ever cut the immigration targets, because they're going to be like, you that's know what, coming, everything's man. super expensive. That's coming every year. The the, the 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 rents keep going up. We have rent caps everywhere, but guess what? It's everyone's going to say we have four immigrants renting a two bedroom apartment to make it work, and that's why they are willing to pay two grand a month. So if, you know what? They're going to finally cut immigration, and then then it's going to be like, oh shit! Now the shit hit the fan.
0: So this is a, a total digression but um, I had dinner with someone who works kind of front line in the uh, immigration um, I don't want to say industry but in that in that world like yeah, very front line um, and very much the not the recruitment side not the um, not the promotional side but the these folks are here now and we need you to take care of them and set them yep. up and it was something like The federal government is spending $500,000 a day on hotel stays for immigrants.
1: Yeah. So tell me, tell me they're not going to cut this. Everything's getting beat down. They're running out of money. There's nobody coming in. They're raising taxes. People are like, holy shit, we're spending a million, well, $500,000 a day. So we're spending $15 million a month. That's, yeah, not 200, I, and that's and listen, $200 million a I, I year. Can't, I
0: can't verify that number, and I'd love to kind of uh, – I wasn't expecting to talk about it here today, so I, I didn't look into it. But that's someone who is very knowledgeable on, on the front lines, and it doesn't sound it. unreasonable no. when you think of the numbers and you know what these hotel accommodations and the sports staff associated with it I, would I be. I would feel that. Imagine you live um, in Canada, and you're seeing all the, all
1: the wage subsidies that they provide to people moving here which I think is great because they want to incentivize people to come here. But you're living here and you're like, man, you guys are raising my taxes. You guys can't provide me the services that I need. I can't get into the hospital. Meanwhile, you're paying this guy $50,000 to come here to make this line bigger and you're not helping me who's
0: been in this country for 30 years? Yeah, I know. It's going to be a very interesting topic at the next federal election because this is the other reason they're going to claw as much money as they can right now. Every SERB, oh, you got 2000 bucks per SERP, We're going to try to get that back. We're going to get all because then... They're gonna announce a bunch of spending to help everyone out right when it's time for the election, which, again, to bring us full circle back to the start of the episode, (laughs) is your own damn money. It's your own damn money. Like, they're just repackaging it and selling it back to you, you know, to buy your votes, or actually, like, but so. So, to summarize though,
1: where do you think, what's going on? What, do you think this is a, now, after we've kind of bitched a little bit, do you think this is a temporary blip in the market? Do you expect this to kind of run for a bit? Are you still in the thought that 2024 rates are going to pull back after they said it's a temporary rate hike? Um, well, I think
0: short-term, like next next three months, the market's going to be strong here. Good spring. Uh, it, it, just, it just is going to be a good spring. I, I see yeah. no other way around it. I mean, you could drop, if you drop like 50 homes on the market today across the city, you know, they'd all be gobbled up, but you might see that, that take a bit of the demand out there, but that's just not happening. Unfortunately, there's not that much supply. So I think it is going to be a good spring. Um, I think that the, um, pinch that you're talking about is going to be dragged out longer than you might think. That's why I was asking like, what's Mm going to be that tipping point because it's so individual depends on when someone renewed. It depends on what's going on in their life, right? Like it depends on what else they're going to cut from their life. You know, It's hard to know when that shoe is going to drop um, or if it even will because... And people are running out of money.
1: People are running out of money. The average person is not having a ton of cash sitting around. I believe it, man. Like, you look at car prices, they're flying down. Like, they're because people are dropping, like, they're returning their vehicles. Like, people just cannot make these payments. And I know, like, having a small staff chatting with them and chatting with the guys on site, like... Like man, I don't. I've never felt this poor. I haven't felt this poor since I was like a teenager. Like it's like I just and yet, don't they've have, never
0: been taxed more.
1: Yeah, well, and I know a lot of it's going to taxes, well, and then they're, yeah. they're not they're not sitting there blaming anybody specifically. They're just more like this is insanity. Like I'm, yeah, yeah. They're, these a lot of these people just like they're not trying to do anything to like take over the world. They just want to enjoy themselves and be happy and they go to work, they get their pay and they can then live normally. They don't need to like be getting anything fancy. They need, but they, even that they're struggling they home to like, owners? this is insane. Muslim. Some are, some, some, aren't. Are, some like, aren't like, I know like, yeah, I have guys that are, I have guys that work for me that are own their homes free and clear.
0: Um, but they like the bills on a monthly basis. are still out of this world. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, there's going to be a real, um, there's going to be a two pronged rage and a two pronged um, sense of, um, uh, I don't want to say impoverishment or like, or tightness like the homeowners getting it on one side through their payments and whatever and then people who don't own property but are constantly looking that further and further out of reach because their savings are depleted. So it'll be interesting to see how those kind of There's run always parallel. this
1: idea and I mean it kind of already happens but I don't know that our our markets in Canada especially are strong enough for this to take place. But like you're saying you have the division where there's like those who own and those who don't. And we already mm-hmm. kind of have that division but it's not as prevalent as we as as we think, maybe, or like it's people always seem to be able to get ahead still to the point where at some point in their life they're able to buy a home if they really, really want to. Yeah. Um, but places again like Ontario and BC, that's not always the case. And I think it's getting across the board now in Canada where almost everywhere is in that situation where they're not going to be able to do it. Surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly, but the main two places I think you'll always be able to do it or I'll have a longer likelihood of being able to do it
0: New Brunswick, Alberta, <laughs> New Brunswick. Alberta,
1: and Quebec. I would say All those right. are two places because.
0: Well, No Brunswick is has, the most affordable place to live right now. but
1: Yeah, I think Quebec has really affordable housing across the board, in, even in their cities like Montreal. And Alberta has also decently priced real estate, uh, but with very high incomes. Um, and Quebec has also like the lower taxes and a lot of things that can aid you in getting into a home. Um, but I always so wonder... And so does Alberta. So like, great, these places have lower taxes. And sure enough, you can live for cheaper. You actually make more money. Like Everything wins. The average salaries are higher. There's more corporations there. There's more industry there. Kind of
0: shows but proof of concept of like, that, like, think of the two provinces that probably get villainized most: Alberta and federally. Quebec. Alberta and Quebec. So maybe there's a reason, yeah, that yeah, certain governments kind of run on a platform. They're also is, most obsessive with the least rules.
1: Like they they are not trying to consistently and constantly sla- like slaughter their 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 people with rules. But anyways, that's but my what I was getting at is that. This might be another one of those times, and I think it will, and this always happens during these these times of uh, financial hardship, is that you have the division and it grows a lot more where there's the have the haves and the have-nots. And I think in this case, it will be owning real estate and owning homes. And oh, I, th- I think, I, I'm just like, will it get to a stage where an entire segment of like home ownership, like that's just like a certain class of people effectively, and you'll have a huge majority of people now that are going to start just rent for their entire life.
0: Well, and in here to extend that conversation further is like, this is exactly why you see that like private property law used to be one of the strongest laws there is. Yeah. Right. And in some regions, rental law, effectively, is like your rental rights are catching up to your private property rights. Yep. There's a reason that in, I think it was in San Francisco, someone had to pay like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a tenant. I was going to say someone in San Francisco so who paid right-
1: 750000 or something, yeah. I think it was. And
0: so that's effectively the price of a home. So who, who has more rights to that property? Yeah. Right. So, um, all right. Well, that's, Anyways, uh, I that's, talking that's a to wrap. You Neil, I got to
1: run. Uh, I think as a whole, in summary, let's finalize here. In summary, in you feel that this is going to be a good spring.
0: Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be a good spring. I think the next three months Years is, is a definitely whole. going to be strong. Years a whole. I, I feel more optimistic than you. I think we're going to operate in a... in a Neutral. In a in a tighter band that's going to be relatively neutral. It might be kind of what the market should be, which is 2 to 3% a year. I, I'm worried that... Not worried. I, I feel we might be a little bit more than that. Um, but I also don't think Bank of Canada looks at us as, at all. And the reality nope. is I think Toronto and Vancouver... Uh, will still struggle a bit in the periphery, and that'll hopefully be enough to keep those Bank of Canada rates steady. Uh, But they're basically sending a message like, don't you guys get carried away in Toronto and Vancouver. Don't you get carried away, or else we're going to turn this knob more. But they don't care about us, man. They don't care. So we could go up 7%. If the rest of the country's down, they won't do anything. And you think immigration might get cut? I think that we are going to come towards a couple election cycles here where that conversation is going to be had. And it's interesting because... Um, When that conversation was raised at the last federal election, you were deemed anti-Canadian, maybe even racist, if you said, we should maybe not have as many immigrants here. And you and I are both pro-immigration, but that was the way it was presented. And I think that narrative is going to change a little bit because, one, you know, do we have the resources? Do we have the systems in place for them? Mm -hmm. And two, are we being fair to them if we bring them over here and we treat them like this? I don't think we are. Yeah. Right? We are not delivering on our promises. We're not delivering on who we like to think we are as a country when you bring these people over and you exploit them and you don't give them any quality of life in a lot of cases. like it is it is tough out there.
1: It is tough out there. all in, my, in summary, for me, I would say, I'm with you that we'll have a strong spring. I think the turning point will be, uh, so like you said, political movement combined with potential further interest rate hikes later in the year combined with large institutional, whether it be banks, investment funds, other companies starting to like fall apart. Like We'll start to have some companies that do go bankrupt. We'll have some companies that start to drop off assets. And I think with that, mixed with another rate hike and some political turmoil, I think it'll combine to create some issues. Again, I, I don't think it's going to be cross the board. I think great locations will still stand up. Uh, I think it'll be auxiliary markets in prices, places that didn't
0: really make sense. Can I just add one little thought there? The issue is fixed rates are tied to the overall economy. Yeah. Variable rates are not. So we could see a continued situation where variable rates keep going up, but the fixed rates actually come down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. All right. right. Thanks guys. Pleasure as always. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. Questions down below. Send us your
1: questions if you got one. Also, uh, someone asked before, if you're actually still listening to this point, if you have a key player of the week that you want to send in to us, let us know and we will gladly shout them out. Um, yeah, we're always looking for for new people. So. Yeah.
0: Love hearing about your successes. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out.